If you've been coming around CUCC for a while, you've probably started to get an idea of the, the type of things I like talking about and the type of things I don't talk about all that much. I hope, I genuinely hope that you've noticed a pretty constant declaring that humanity, that you and me and everyone are good. That's really important to me. I want you to know and believe that you at your core are good. Good, like supremely good. And then you see when that's the starting point, the spiritual life, the worshipful life, it becomes an inward turn or a return to that divinely appointed goodness. God's within you. Love is, is within you. You are good. And then like it or not, you'll undoubtedly hear several references to everyone, right? Everyone, everyone, everyone. It's a slightly redundant welcome, but it's also a core conviction of mine, right? It's, it's an intentionally repetitive reminder that if, if we all are good, if you are good, then so is everyone, everyone. All right, everyone is a beloved child of God, even the ones that some people think might be excluded in the fine print. Everyone, yeah. And then if I had to stop it at a top three, I'd hope that over time you'd also have picked up on the so that. Yeah, the, the so that is often the turning point in my sermons. It's the application. It's the move from heart to hand, from inner life to outer world. It's the reason I do what I do. It's why so many of us are here. We pursue faith and spirit and God so that we might make a difference in the world, have a positive effect on the world, so that we might join with God in bringing healing and wholeness to, to a hurting world. That's the stuff I like to talk about. It's the worship, welcome, and justice stuff. Now, things you won't hear me talk about a lot. Politics. Sometimes, did I get an O? Sometimes uh, people want me to go there more often, and actually it's surprising how often uh, someone tells me they wish I might be more political in the pulpit, but in most cases it becomes quite clear that it's not that they want me to do politics, they want me to do their politics. You know what I'm saying, right? And I happen to think we can talk about all that stuff without talking about all of that stuff, or as Jesus often said, uh, those who have ears will hear. So I don't do that. I don't really go there very often. You also won't hear a lot of, quote, sin language. And, and by that, you know, I mean the selective, individual, moralistic stuff. I had a member tell me that I should talk about sin more, to which I wanted to respond, if, if you'd like to tell me what sort of sin you've been struggling with lately, I'd be happy to include that in next week's sermon. <laughs> Because what we really like to hear is, is other people's stuff condemned, right? So I don't do that very often either. Instead, I like to ask questions, invite introspection, invite a searching, you know, of one's own heart 
in life. And then finally, you won't hear me talk about money a lot. Or more specifically, you won't hear me ask you for money a lot. In fact, that's when you know it's a scam email, right? When I start asking for gift cards or special favors, you know something's up. Now, like Jesus, I'm, I like talking about greed, about material attachments, selfishness, the abuse of money, but also like Jesus, you almost never hear me ask you for money. But once a year, once a year, it's Stewardship Sunday. And so I'm forced to find creative ways to avoid asking you for money and instead talk about things I like to talk about. Worship, welcome, and justice. So good church, let's do this. The Bible uses a lot of different images and analogies to talk about stewardship and financial giving, but I think one of the most consistent and common ones is the idea of sowing and reaping, of of planting and harvesting. The Apostle Paul writes a stewardship sermon in his second letter to the church in Corinth. A huge chunk of it, but at the very least, chapter 8, 9, and 10 of 2 Corinthians is, is this letter. And as Paul so often does, he hides his most central piece right in the center of it. And so today, we will read 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6 to 7. Let's give it a listen. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your hearts to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And we're going to unpack this whole thing verse by verse. And so let's start at the beginning. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Yeah, right at the beginning, Paul's using this language of sowing and reaping, planting and harvesting. And one of the challenges for us in this analogy is that it's been distorted over the centuries. When we read, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will reap generously, it's, it's way too easy to hear some form of, of prosperity gospel, right? If you give a lot, God will bless you a lot. If you're cheap with God, God's going to be cheap with you, right? As if God's blessing was, you know, predicated on your financial giving, but you guys know that's not how it works, and and the deal is that's also not what Paul's talking about. Despite how bible the language, I think that's a word, the language of sowing and reaping may sound today, it, I don't think Paul's trying to be cute or like overly theological. Uh, I think Paul's being quite practical. He's employing the most basic farming concept with a community that knows exactly what it means to sow and reap. The phrase, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously, is not a guilt trip or a sales pitch for God's blessing. It's simply a principle of life, a principle of farming. You get out what you put in. 
there any farmers here? Even like hobby farms? Yeah, we got some farmers. If you plant two rows of corn in the spring, come September, you are gonna have two rows of corn. You're not gonna have three rows of corn or four rows of corn or a million rows of corn. It'll be two rows of corn. No guilt, no manipulation, just simple farming. You see, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Paul is calling the church in Corinth to align their expectations for harvest with what they've decided to sow. Right, to align their ministry expectations with their giving. And so if we bring that in these walls for a second, if you've ever thought, man, I wish there was a little more fill in the blank around here. The simple question to ask yourself, ourselves, is did, did you plant enough seeds for that kind of harvest? If a community sows a small amount of seeds, they can expect a small harvest. And if they go all in and sow abundantly, they can expect an abundant harvest. No guilt, no manipulation, just simple farming. And with farming, it's not hard to figure out how many seeds need to be sown for a community to have enough food, right? Potatoes are a great example. I'm going to stick with potatoes for a little bit because potatoes propagate vegetatively. And what that means, right, is that they reproduce from portions of planted, replanted potatoes. Now, potato farmers have been at it long enough to know exactly how many of their potatoes have to be replanted each year to maintain their crop or to grow their crop. They have to know these numbers because their livelihood depends on it. So what we know about potatoes is that depending on the quality of the previous year's harvest, a farmer has to set aside between 5 and 15% of their potatoes to maintain a sustainable potato crop year after year. It's a thing, according to Google. <laughs> I've never planted a potato. But the amount of potatoes that you put back into the ground directly correlates with how many people will eat potatoes the next year. Or you could say, whoever sows sparingly reaps sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Now in church world, there are some pretty simple ratios as well. Churches have been at this for a little while. And they know exactly how much needs to be set aside to maintain or, or even grow a church. In church world, generous sowing is 10%. When members of a community set aside 10% of their household income, they will most definitely see an abundant crop. Call it tithing. Call it what you want. It's sowing for growth. It's generous sowing so as to reap generously. And there are communities that do this, that, that tithe, and there are transformational communities that have a massive impact on the world around them. Now, if 10% is sowing generously, what does sowing sparingly look like? But just like potato farmers know what their break-even number is, churches know that to break even... The number's typically between 3 and 5%. 
You might even see those numbers on a pledge card. What churches know is that as every household gives between three and 5% of their income, they'll end up in a sustainable maintenance mode. They might not have a lot left over to take on growth or to plant new fields or help other farmers, but it's gonna be okay. People might not write home about that potato farm, but everybody's gonna eat. It's gonna get the job done. The scary question is, what happens if a community slips below that threshold, right? Particularly, what happens when a community slips below that threshold for several years in a row, right? Something's gotta give. They need to make up the difference in some other way. The farm may have to defer maintenance, right? And put the building at risk. The farm might shrink staff and put their staff at risk of burnout. Or they might end up borrowing, borrowing from each other, borrowing from banks, anything to get by another year. It's not really sowing, it's, it's hoping for a farming miracle year after year. Now remember, no guilt, no manipulation. We're just talking about potatoes. Paul's calling the church to align their expectations for harvest with what they've decided to sow, to align their ministry expectations with their giving. Whoever sows sparingly reaps sparingly. Whoever gives generously reaps generously. And I know that that can get tricky in a farm this large, right? Because there are some people who are all in. They are generous sowers. In fact, they're throwing seeds everywhere, right? Planting for a bumper crop that could feed the whole world. And so Paul keeps going. As we read, he says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give, each of you should give, each of you should give. It's an important part to Paul. Each of you should give. Sometimes people can get caught up in in who's doing more or less of the sowing, right? That generation, this generation, to which Paul says each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give. It's not a comparison game. If you've ever found yourself feeling resentful of what other people are sowing or, or you've held back doing your part until you believe that they're doing enough, you... You might want to remember it's just each of you should give what you've decided in your own heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And that part's huge. You see, there's a massive difference of an intention and expectation when you're just tossing something away and when you're planting and sowing. And the difference is what makes it possible to, to, to give cheerfully. When you're sowing, you're doing so with the anticipation and hope that something good is going to grow. If not, you wouldn't do it, right? This isn't buying a seat at the table or paying a country club due. It's, it's, it's planting a field that will provide for people. Sometimes people you might not even know. When you give money to a church, you're not 
discarding a percentage of your possessions to make God happy, you're planting. You're given with the hopeful expectation that your gift will grow into something that that nourishes, strengthens, offers life to those who, who get to eat it, get to feast at it. Sowing's not a conversation about what you should do. It's a conversation about what the church could become, right? What the church could grow into. For all of this sowing and reaping language to work, you have to find value in the thing you're planting. If you hate spinach, it's going to be really hard to plant an entire field of spinach cheerfully. But if you, if you value the potential harvest, you're constantly going to be looking for ways to, to set aside extra potatoes, to teach your kids about setting aside potatoes. If you truly value the potential harvest, everything changes. So what are we trying to grow here? What type of crop is CUCC? You know, everyone's going to have a, a different take on that. Again, in a community this large, everyone's going to have their own reasons as to why they sow, right? And that's, that's sort of why we create these little moments for stewardship throughout the year so that you can hear from your peers as to why they give and plant and sow and invest. For me... And here's the full circle moment. For me, it all comes down to worship, welcome, and justice. It all comes down to me truly believing that the world needs a place where people are taught that they're good, where everyone, everyone, everyone is loved and and can find dignity so that, so that we can all participate and, and have a healing effect on a hurting world. And I long for a world that sows generously to this idea, a world that recognizes how much value is there is in that kind of harvest, especially with all the other noises around us. And so that's why I talk about what I talk about. That's why I choose to show up every week. That's why Julie and I both invest our our money, our gifts, our energy, Our soul here, we care so dang much about these potatoes. (laughs) Now, this is an important part. Remember, this is me not asking you for money. In fact, like Paul, I plead with you not to give reluctantly or out of compulsion, but to just do whatever you've decided to do in your heart. Right? Instead, I encourage you to simply search your heart. Sit down with your family and talk about what sort of harvest you'd love to see around the church next year and ask yourself why, why you think it's important for a potato farm like this to survive, maybe even thrive. No guilt, no manipulation, just some farming. <laughs> Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver to the glory of God and the health of the church. Amen.